Kovacic will slot it home. Oh. And he does so. Kovacic turned into the empty net. His promotion to Doncaster Rovers. Can you believe what has happened in this last minute? Now then, hello and welcome to episode 23 of Podular Stand, the monthly podcast from Popular Stand fanzine. Um, my name is Glenn Wilson, fanzine editor and, well, podcast host, I guess. Um, this month we've got something of a podcast of, uh, of two halves for you. In the second half, I'm joined by fanzine and podcast regular Jack P for a discussion about food and football, which is which is fueled by his new book. Um, but before we get to that, I, I felt it would be remiss to not talk about Rovers' current position and recent form, especially given that the season isn't exactly panning out how uh, how any of us thought. So, following the one-all draw with Crew the other night, I caught up with two of the regular members of the fanzine's fan panel for a chat about Rovers and the season so far. Joining me then are Lizzie Robinson, who you'll remember from last month, and making her podcast debut... Emma Dawson. So, Lizzie, Emma, thanks for thanks for joining us for this. I'm going to, I'm going to start by Rovers with Rovers' most recent match, which was a uh, a one-all draw away at our sort of well, fellow strugglers is probably the best way of describing them. Crew, um, Lizzie, you were you were present at Crew. What, I was. was it, did it did it feel like two bottom teams going head to head? Yeah, I, it was an awful game. If you were a neutral, you would not you would have gone home at half time. That first half, nobody could string more than two passes together. There were olays ringing around the ground if you got to more than three, <laughs> um, and it was just scrappy, and everything was in the air and being long balled to players that aren't good in the air up top. From both teams, um, their goal was just so easy. Yeah, and you know, like it was just so easy. Like, and it was the same as almost every goal we've conceded this season. Just rubbish defending. Goalkeeper, you know, had no chance really. But yeah. you'd have hoped he might have, you know, gotten closer to it than he did. Um, did it? Did it feel like? Did that game against Crew? Did it feel like a sort of the season in microcosm in a way of of where Rovers are at, or is that harsh? Are we are we better than that? I mean, I don't think it was like the season in um, microcosm because we were all right in the second half, and we've not been all right that often this season, really. <laughs> um, um, but the first half certainly, I think it all you could see every single one of our issues there in front of you. You know, right from. But all the way from both both ends of the pitch, every player just wasn't up to scratch. I mean, some of them worked hard. Matt Smith deserves a, a bit of praise for how hard he worked, I think. And Tommy Rowe and Tom Anderson clearly both care. But it's just it's just not good enough. It's just not it's just so depressing to watch. Yeah. And our goal was really weird, like when I watched it back, because as I pointed out, I was in the bar for our goal, which is great. Really glad that happened. Um <laughs> But God, God forbid you would just... get any joy from a trip to Crow. I know. Oh, I said it could not be worse than when we got relegated there a couple of years ago. And it wasn't that bad, but it was still <laughs> pretty bad. I mean, you know, when a pint of Carlin poured out, a pint of Carlsberg even poured out of a can, it is better than watching the game. That sums up how the first half was, really. 
it was yeah, just that's a... so disappointing. That's we did look better point. in the second half, but I think yeah. Wayne's substitution was weird. I don't understand when it's 1-1, why you would put on Bostock over somebody like Vilka, who's going to go, or Barlow, who's going to go at them mm. and try and get a win. And we, we were time-wasting in the last 10 minutes. It was 1-1. Yeah, oh. I mean, it's, it's hard to um, view... I think it's hard to view results now sort of on an individual basis because we're all viewing them as terms of what's gone on in the season thus far. Um, but, you know, we if you take out the horror show at Charlton and you look at the, the other most recent games, it's a, it's a win and two draws um, and a defeat in the last four. Mm-hmm. Okay, excuse the manner of that defeat. But is, yeah. are we... I mean, and this is for both of you, really. I mean, in fact, I'll, I'll start with you. I mean, do you, are we are we improving, or are we just playing worse teams? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a really good question. I think I must admit I haven't actually been to a game in the last few weeks. All of mine were at the start of the season when there's still that optimism there. But I think we've we've still got to give time here. It's you know the performances aren't consistent. The only thing that we're consistent at is having consistent the games that are, um, be that between the first and the second half at the moment. And at the minute, there's just no. I'm really struggling with the identity here. Is you know, if you ask me how did Doncaster Rovers play at the minute, I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. And I think that that's the problem, is that yeah. each game we just seem to be set up, we're playing completely differently. And, you know, it's, it's sort of, we've lost Coppinger, which was our identity, if you like, from last year. And, and, and going forward to this year, I don't know who we are. I don't know how we play. I don't know where we go from here for the rest of the season. We need to find some sort of you know, consistency yeah. of formation or team lineup at the minute, it's just a lottery. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, especially, you know, when we are bringing together so many different players at one time in terms of sort of the mass recruitment of the summer, you would hope that to ease that transition, ease that coming together, you'd have a recognisable system to drill into people. And you're right, we we don't really have that. We don't have a clear... Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but it's a good point. I couldn't describe how Rovers play at the moment, whereas perhaps last season and, and cert- well, certainly under, say, Grant McCann and Sean O'Driscoll, going back a bit further, you, you could definitely put a finger on it. Um, Lizzie, how do you feel? You, as someone who's sort of been a, probably definitely attended more games than me and probably slightly more than Emmett as well, do you think we're improving or is it is it, as I said, a case of just play, playing teams that are more of our level recently? <laughs> It's really hard to say because every time I think we're making an improvement, we'll then go on and have an awful performance. Mm. So like at Wigan, I spoke to you then saying that we looked all right at Wigan. Mm. At Plymouth, we looked all right. And then the game, the subsequent games to that, so Ipswich, um, Gillingham, those kind of games, we were just a, we were just a shambles. It would, it, and it, it's, it is hard to watch because as Emma's pointed out, you can't really root for a team when you don't know anything about that team. And I think it boils down even to sort of the individual character of players. I mean, Tom Anderson is, you know, he's a good player, but I don't think he's got that same kind of character as Rob Jones did before him or even Andy Butler, for example. And that goes all the way down the pitch. I think maybe Dahlberg's the closest to that, but he's so inexperienced and young that it doesn't yeah. really matter that he's a big personality because doesn't matter. he's not used to winning games, certainly not at a senior level. Um in terms of our identity as well, I mean, I was saying this to my dad, actually, 
Obviously, when Richie Wellens was at Rovers, he worked under two managers. Sean O'Driscoll had a really distinct identity and Paul Dickoff, who didn't, and played very similarly to how we're playing now. And I think he's chosen the wrong inspiration for the way that we're playing, if I'm being honest, because it is very reminiscent to those sort of Dickoff years where we just, every week we would just try something different yeah. and it would never work. And it's just, it's hard to to back a team that plays like that. And yeah. it's... it's and the, the worry is we we saw how that that came to yeah. fruition almost as well. Exactly. Um, what I was going to say is on the so when I so we interviewed Richie for the for the fanzine as as anyone listening who listened to the previous podcast or, or reads the fanzine will know because we touched on it last time, um, and that was that was on the eve of the Wigan game is when I spoke to Richie, and what the, I think the most concerning thing for me at the moment is that. In that interview, and I checked it back just before we recorded this because I wanted to make sure Richie sort of said that we got Wigan away, which was obviously a tough game. But after that, there were, you know, 12 games and one of 12 games where he felt there was the opportunity to get some points on the board, edge things forwards. I mean, we've played 10 of those now <laughs> and, and we're still where we are. And for me, that's that's considering. And I, I, will, I will say that Richie, I think, expected to have Fajiri Okinabiri and um, John Taylor back by, you know, well, certainly a more fit John Taylor back um, much earlier in this run. But, I mean, that for me is is a bit concerning that mm. that was the big opportunity the manager was picking out to get some points on the board and we we've, we've kind of missed it or not almost, it feels. Yeah, I agree. I think... Every you know, you look at the games that we've had the last few weeks um, since Wigan. Really, there, there should have been there should have been a lot of winnable games. Gillingham is one that comes to mind. They, they battered us, mm. and I think Cheltenham could very easily have gotten a point out of that game. And Cambridge played really well as well. And we just don't we just didn't look up to it. Um, but also, when you talk about Taylor and Okunabiri, that's two players. For yeah. most of those games, we've been two players away from what Richie would call his first team. Yeah, and I don't think it's I, and every time he says oh it'll change after the international break because Okunabiri and Taylor will be back this is the third time you've said that now I mean to be fair he hasn't specified which international break <laughs> yeah maybe so, next season <laughs> yeah um, yeah it's that I think that's a good point you know we're, we're saying he hasn't got his full 11 out but two players shy of full 11 in yeah. league one is probably probably the norm for most teams most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, Certainly not... most of the teams we've played look at yeah. like MK Don's not having um, ISA and, um, you know, a lot of, I mean, Cambridge's star player was suspended, wasn't he? Was it their centre-half? I can't remember his mm -hmm. name for life of me, but they had a couple of players missing as well. And it's that time of season where people are getting suspensions and injuries and everybody else is doing all right. So Yeah, that's... It's... That's the thing that concerns me. Where, where, um, where do you feel? I mean, I'll, I'll put this one to you, Emma, to start. With, but where do you feel that Rovers are falling short at the moment? Do you think there's a there's a key area on the field I'm talking about? Um, um, I, I guess it, you could sort of flippantly just say everywhere at the minute. You know, <laughs> as a team, it is not a good team performance. Um, but when you look at, I think the obvious one is strikers. We, we're not scoring goals. We've got yeah. the fewest goals in the division, I think. So, you know, we're just not 
I, I think I'd been to six games this season and didn't see a goal. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> what it was like to see one. Um, you know, and I think it, it starts there. But I, I think we are weak all throughout the pitch. Um, I think we could improve everywhere here. And just back on a previous point as well, our injury list just keeps growing. So we, you've obviously got Taylor out and Okunibere, but we've got, I think, Closers now out and, and other sort of key players that, you know, we could argue that there's three or four out now. Um, and that doesn't help us. Yeah. Um, I know Wellens had said when I, Richard said when I spoke to him that he felt the team at that even at that point was was lacking a sort of combative presence, if you like, in midfield. I mean, the, the term he used was men, but I think I've, I'm, I'm going to take that to mean a combative presence in midfield. <laughs> um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for his generalisation, but um, I mean, it's it feels that we are missing that. And you mentioned before about it not looking like many players are up to that sort of leadership thing. Because um, I think when I when I saw Rovers at Wigan, and actually another one of the fanzine regulars, James McMahon, sort of messaged me this after the Charlton game, it just felt like for both of us when we watched, the only player who seemed to be bothered by our losing position was was Tommy Rowe. Um, which, I mean, is is that is it? Are we missing that combative? Is that a key thing of what we're missing, or is it? Like Emma says, is it we're just we're not even scoring goals? So what does it matter who's who's battling in the midfield? But I think if you look at the you know the, the last time we got promoted out of League One when we got like Rob Jones and McComb and you got that whole team were there that we were physical. It was you know we weren't playing nice football. We were you know really really like fighting with people and mm. there was a lot of grit and determination in that team. I'm not seeing that in the players that we've got here. We're we're not sort of bullying other teams and we're not. You know, we're not pressing, and that's kind of what Rotherham do and what Wickham do, and, and they're they're doing really well, and that seems to be the style that gets you out of this league. And we are not playing to that sort of style. I think that we're just missing characters um, and people that are willing to fight for this club. I agree completely. I think Emma raises that 2012-13 season. Um, that's how you win League One. You've got it's the most physical league in the top four divisions for me, um, and that. Richie had the opportunity. I mean, I listened to what Adam said on the last podcast, and he was he's retrospectively he's so right. The balance in midfield is wrong. He's mm. we've got five midfielders who all do the same thing, mm. and nothing. You know, there's no physicality. And when we're so when we're so bad at defending and at set pieces and conceding awfully easy goals, you miss out missing out on that defensive um, like stalwart in midfield. It's massive. I mean. Since Ben Whiteman left, we've just not been able to replace him. Yeah. Um, and Ben Whiteman could do everything, but there aren't very many League One players that can. And Richie says, oh, we'll sign him in January. But why didn't he sign him in August? Yeah. I genuinely don't understand that, but I think it's... I'm just biased. I just like Paul Keegan. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd get a whole podcast about bringing up Paul Keegan, but there we go. I thought we might do it this time. Never you mind. brought it up. Uh, welcome to the Paul Keegan podcast, by the way, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I see what Richie was was kind of looking to do. So, and he made this point. Obviously, I mean, if you're if you're building a completely new squad, you can't do that in one window. Not not on our finances, anyway. You know, if you're a top level Premier League team, you probably can. So. It's going to take time to build a, a, a squad and there's going to be gaps, you know, that you're going to have to recruit at different windows. But it does feel like you say, Lizzie, and as Adam raised last time, that 
we've kind of recruited too many of the same player at one time. And the other thing that worries me is that is if you if you want people to buy into the it's a long-term strategy, a long-term rebuild, which I think is a completely reasonable expectation at our level and the club of our size, you do need to find a way to be productive in the short term too. Because otherwise no one's going to want to hang around for that long-term bit. And, and that's what worries me at the moment is that, you know, I, I'm not one of those people who feels that relegation is a necessarily a disaster for our team. But it's more of a pressing concern for me now than it would have been at any point in a previous season because we don't have any sort of, there's no not sort of long-serving backbone to the team, if you like. There's no long, longevity there in terms of the personnel. To, as we were talking before about an identity thing, really. So at this point, I'm really worried that, you know, okay, we might bring in new recruits in January, but I'm kind of worried that that might be too late. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I agree. But also you think if we do get relegated, yes, it's not the end of the world, but is Tommy Rowe going to want to play in League Two again with us? Probably not. Will Tom Anderson? No. Yeah. Will face John Bostock? No. Okinabiri, no. So again, you're going to have another rebuild on your hands. and yeah, Exactly. By January, we could be in some real trouble because you look at our upcoming fixtures now, how many of them are that winnable? I don't think there are that many now. We're kind of getting back to playing all the big teams again once we get well, to sort of December time. The thing is, the, f- the further you drop down the league, the less anyone looks beatable. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And if crew weren't beatable and they were rubbish, just as rubbish as us, it was just awful. Then, if we can't beat them, then I, I, it's hard to be hard to be optimistic about us beating anybody else. To be yeah. honest, Emma, I, I th- I've, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel you're kind of you're often in the mindset the same as me that relegation isn't necessarily the the end of the world. How are you viewing its potential sort of looming over the horizon? Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I'm. I just feel very disengaged this season. I think mm-hmm. I've struggled um, ever since we went into lockdown. Really, and you know, watching it remotely wasn't the same. And I've just not got that desire to drive a four hundred mile round trip to come to a game like I normally would. Um, you know, I typically make it to about half of the games at the minute, and I've not been to one in the last month. And, and to me, from that side of things, I it is a concern, but. This is football, right? And, you know, teams have to get promoted every year. Teams have to get relegated every year. If we stay in the same division for, you know, 15 years or whatever the Oldham did, that's boring. Every year I look back, you know, we've we've been fighting for something for most seasons, whether it be promotion or relegation. That's what's interesting. If we go down, so be it. We go down. We'll have a, you know, exciting trip around League Two again and maybe win a few more games and we'll be a bit more upbeat and positive. It's not the end of the world. Um, but that's I, I appreciate that that's easy for me to say when I live so far away and I'm I'm not seeing the week in week out performances that people seem to be so sick of. Yeah, I think I've I've cited Oldham before being in I think it was twenty years in League One. I, I can't think of a worse punishment to be inflicted on anyone than watching sort of eighteen years at least of mid table third tier football. It feels like a, a sentence that that should be handed down to you. <laughs> Um, let, I mean, let's cut to the chase then, really. How, I mean, I, I, let's be frank, how, how long does Richie Wellens have here? How long should he have to turn this around? Or is it, do things need to change soon in, in his position? What do you think? So I guess on my point of view, if I, if I 
withdraw all emotion and feelings towards Doncaster Rovers as a club out of it, I would always say if a manager comes in at the start of the season, you've got to give them that transfer window and a Christmas transfer window. They've got to have the time to prove that they can bring players in, get them to jet and get them to improve. So I would say is you know carry on and we give them another transfer window and if it's not worked after that then that's it but I get I do understand why a lot of fans are after his head down but for me he gets another transfer window yeah Lizzie how do you feel I mean I've made no bones about how I feel about Richard Wellens's tactics at times I don't think his man management is very good I don't think there's any situation where you hang players out to dry in the press week on week like when we beat Cheltenham and um, Jordi Huula was voted man of the match by the sponsors and he went out in the press and said it must have been his mum and dad that voted for him. Jordi Huula's not really had a good game since. And, you know, you look at that, you look at what he said about Aidan Barlow the last couple of weeks and the, the whole Omar Bogle situation. It leaves a bit of a sour taste in my mouth, to be honest. But Emma's right. I'm a firm believer that you don't get success in football without a bit of consistency. And I'm sick of having to rebuild and recruit a manager every summer it's exhausting. And I mean, I'm not sure I'm a massive fan of him as a bloke. I'm not sure the football he's playing is great, but also I don't think sacking him would necessarily achieve anything because yeah. he would, well, it's not going to make that much of a difference, I don't think. I mean, we're still going to have the same budget, we're still going to have the same players that he brought in. It's just, it's a really tough, I, honestly, I'm not really sure where I sit on it because I don't yeah. particularly like him, but also I'm generally, I'm the kind of look at sort of, those kind of teams that have stuck with manager for a really long time and are now really successful. You know, you've yeah. got like Burnley and Bournemouth before Eddie Howe left, you know, successful teams that had managers for sort of... Wickham's another example. Gary yeah. Baines has been there like nine years and look at them, they're, they were, they're punching way above their weight and they could easily go back up. And, you know, you've just got to... Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, to be honest. I'm not really sure how I feel. Yeah, I'm, I, I can relate to both of you there. I mean, I will always advocate giving managers time. And, and as you both pointed out, you know, if we're, if the whole point of like trying to rebuild and, and take a different approach is to avoid, you know, not being in a position where we have to, we, we're left changing managers regularly, which obviously has been a bit out of our hands in, in recent years, but getting rid of a manager this soon goes completely against that. And then you, as you say, you've got another manager coming in to, to look after the players that Richie signed. I mean, that said, I I don't feel that individually the footballers we have are as bad as the position we're in. So I feel like mm. there is something more to be gotten out of them. I mean, I would say, and it's it's unlike me because I'm generally quite sort of conservative on this issue in terms of giving managers time. But for me, it's kind of, I feel like something needs to change. And, and I don't know if that is we take drastic action or whether it's we bring in someone to give guidance or assistance I know I think the place which has had the most success really as a manager is Swindon and he had a very close working relationship there with Paul Jewell who he sounded off to and, and liaised with regularly he doesn't have any sort of level of that experience around the club at Doncaster so is it a case of looking to bring someone there to support him I don't know I mean I as you say I hate to be someone who's sort of champions the end of a manager's reign especially so soon but it it as you said Emma it's it's a difficult watch at the moment particularly for people I think who 
fans that are distanced from the club in, in some way, be that a physical distance or unable to attend at the moment for whatever reason, or, you know, things have, I think that, as you said, the pandemic sort of stretched that connection for a lot of people. It's a hard sell to make the effort to go and watch a poor team with no identity. So I feel like something needs to change to address that. And I hope it's not getting rid of the manager. I hope there's another solution there, but it's it's difficult to see where how things can improve in the current the way they're running at the moment and that's the worry for me I think yeah I mean yeah you've summed it up I'm not sure I could add anything more that isn't just gonna make us spiral into just depressive philosophical football chat which I'm trying not to do quite as much but yeah it's just a hard one isn't it you just, yeah just, just I mean this diff- this podcast is supposed to be an interesting listen for people rather than therapy for us three <laughs> <laughs> but but if we're all getting something out of it, then that's that's the main <laughs> thing, really. Cool. All right. Um, both of you, thank you very much for, for joining us on this podcast. And um, hopefully we'll, um, well, I'm sure I'll hear from you again soon, but hopefully listeners will hear from you again at another <laughs> point during this season. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Um, not exactly upbeat stuff, I know, but but thanks to uh, Lizzie and Emma for joining me for what inadvertently proved to be uh, some sort of communal online therapy. Um, anyway, enough doom. On to something a little lighter. Now, what do you do for food and drink on an away trip? Um, pile into the pub nearest the ground and then grab a token puck of pie once inside? Yeah, you, I mean, you won't be alone. But it doesn't have to be Carlin and Chicken Bolty wherever you go. That's the premise of Jack Pete's new book, The Great Pie Revolt, and I recently caught up with Jack to find out more about it and to get some inspiration for food and drink options for you when attending some of Rovers' upcoming games. Alan, Jack, welcome welcome back to the podcast. I don't know if I'm well, it should be welcome back. You haven't moved, but I have. Since we were last in the same place, you've brought a bloody book out, which was a bit bit cheeky of you. I think it's called The Great Pie Revolt, um, a gastronomic guide to the Premier League NFL. So I thought it'd be a bit remiss if we didn't talk about it, especially seeing as I got a text in like August from my mum saying, I've just heard Jack Jack P on the radio on Radio Derbyshire talking about his book. Uh, I asked her if you mentioned the fanzine and she said no. Well, I was too busy talking about Burton Albion, mate. And mm. and um, and do you know about the legacy of Derby and the hot dogs? No, I haven't got to Derby yet. Well, in... it, so the legend has it that the man there's a, a a man from Derby went over to America, uh, and uh, you know he was an entrepreneurial sort of type, uh, and he was at a, a ball game and sort of like realised that there wasn't people being sort of like like the, the food and catering off in there wasn't great, so uh, he, he knew that there was a load of Dachshund sausages coming through these German sausages. Uh, and so he bought a load of them and, and, he, and he plied them full of bread. And, and so, so there's a cartoonist there from the New Yorker one day while he's, 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 he's sort of like going down, get your Dachshund sausages in bread. And he was like, well, I can't spell Dachshund, so I'll just say hot dog. Uh, and uh, and they're, they're, from then on was the, uh, the, the sort of the, the ball game hot dog thing. And also he also said, this is, this is a bit more spurious, by the way, but... Uh, apparently he he was the inventor of the of the straw for the drink. So so uh, great chapter, Derby County. He invented the hot dog and the straw. That's his claim to fame. Yeah yeah yeah. Derby born and bred. Is his name Mr. Straw? 
No, it's not like Alexander Bell. Come on, mate, let me have a look. <laughs> this is, this is all, obviously, uh, yeah, for, the purposes, for the purposes of the podcast, I'm not looking at a book right now. Uh, yeah, Darby Bond, Harry M. Stevens. I did know that, actually. However, still, that, that's an incredible fact, isn't it? Yeah. And can I tell you something even more incredible while we're here? That um, obviously, other than the um, uh, well-regarded, well-known uh, Pislet, which is sort of like a, a bit of an oatcake, sort of pancakey, crumpety con- 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 conception, which is a which is a Derby thing. Right. Uh, you can go to Bunk in Derby, and you can you can experience uh, Mr. M. Stevens's creations in all their glory uh, with a craft beer, and uh, and you can you can you can enhance your day out to Derby County. Which uh, who are probably going to be in League One next season? So so there you go. That's what that's a tip for the future. He invented the straw, the hot dog, and beer as well. No, well, no, no, just just well, actually, just those two. But there's a third thing as well um, that he 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 apparently came up with this sort of like um, a simpler version of scoring a ball game, uh, which is still sort of widely used and adopted to this day. Of all those three. You can't really say with a hundred percent certainty that any of them are true, <laughs> but still, it's a nice story, isn't it? And don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, it does feel a bit like that uh, bit in Austin Powers where he claims his father invented the question mark. <laughs> no one can disprove, but no one can prove at the same time. Uh, the neighbour from from back back home, one up from me, said that his ancestors invented the crisp. But then I think everyone, I've, I've heard a few people say that. Yeah. All that takes is you've accidentally overcut a bit of potato and it's gone in the pan and you've invented the crisp, haven't you? Which is why everyone can sort of like lay claim to it, I guess. Yeah. Which he does. What's his name? Mr. Walker? <laughs> That's him. Yeah, yeah. big ears. <laughs> yeah, from Leicester. We, now you've talked about your, uh, about the sections of your book, should we tell people what it's about? <laughs> yeah. So short form intro, and you can expand on this, but it's about food and football and how food and football doesn't have to be a terrible pie or an undercooked burger from a kiosk in a football ground. Really. That's yeah, that's very good. Yeah, it's and, and it, I think the key is that, that how much it can enhance an away day uh, if, if you sort of if, if you just put a bit of more consideration into it. I mean, I guess the book is, is is two parts. One is 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 literally a guide. So, um, so sort of picking out the, the places that would would appeal to the travelling football fan from a, a gastronomic point of view. But the second is sort of like really exploring this. What I would say was it is sort of like an unexplored and probably not spoken enough about connection between food and football, like you say. And and, and so every chapter's got a little bit of history, like the Derby County thing that would pull the city or the team uh, together with, 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 with a type of food and, and, and sort of just discuss the connections, which are sort of like, you know, they're there across the, the 92. But um, yeah, there's some that you really got to scratch your eye at. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, yeah, that, that, I mean, that rings true. Obviously, Doncaster as a town... You know, butterscotch is the big food thing for Doncaster. And for the time, it gave its name to the football team as, as the nickname the Butterscotch fan, which I am determined to bring back, even if no one else is having. But obviously, you've got that with other clubs. You've got the Biscuit Men of Reading. Go on, hit me with some other. Oh, the Burton and the Brewers, I suppose, and things like that. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously the butterscotch thing, as I pointed out, I've, I've touched on that in the book. That's a really proud heritage. It's, it's sort of regal heritage. It was sort of like it's one of the few times that the royals have probably sort of heard and, and talked about Doncaster in a, in a positive light. So uh, that's good, you know. But but also I think, you know, Doncaster as well, it's got some, some of these really good quite recent i guess but really good places to eat and drink especially if you're a traveling football fan um mm. you know as i've as i put in this this uh, month's edition of the fan scene i've got this this real love of as we all have i think it's certainly i know you have of the draftsman's ale house on the platform which is an absolute must but it's easy to spot and easy to miss sorry uh and uh, and obviously doncaster's lovely brewery which is which which is a really good one to call in that and, uh, yeah. and, and and the sort of the, the various the various food places that have been lauded by certain very big critics too but I don't want to spoil it too much for no I'm, I'm glad the Doncaster Brewers in there because they were they were very good to the fanzine for our 100th bash through the year and they were similarly very grateful to everyone who turned up and, and spent a lot of money in there which was great. also yeah. you mentioned Jasmine Aylas that um I think I was getting a train home from a game of the year and it was like it was one of those, I did one of those tickets where you can only go on a certain train line even though mine was cancelled even though it was five more to London in the next hour. I had to wait an hour to the one I was allowed to catch. And I think I was just about to, I was fed up. It had been a long day. And I was just about to sort of kick off a bit at this um, poor member of rail station staff about how I wasn't going to wait another hour. And then I caught sight of the Draftman's Ale. And I'll tell you what, yeah, I'll be back in an hour. (laughs) (laughs) You've got off lucky as scared. Yeah, and yeah. I've actually had a few debates over the Jaffron Ale, Ale, Ale House itself, or actually more specifically, train station pubs and what qualifies a train station pub in. Uh, and because uh, I was, I sort of raised it with a friend the other day, and he, he mentioned a pub uh, in York, and I was like, oh, so that, that's the one outside next to the road. And he goes, yeah. I said, so it's not next to the platform. He said, no, no, no. I said, well, it's not a train station pub then. No. I said, the definition of one is it's got to be on the platform. You've got to, you've got to feel your pint rattle on a train. Passes through at, at speed, uh, and uh, and yeah, you've got to be able to literally jump out of one door and jump into another and be transported somewhere else. And I think that the the Jasmine's Ale House is that, and obviously it's got it, it's sort of like it's one of the pubs that's got these incredible histories. I think for me, being right in the train station, it's it's got a very interesting feel to it. You know, it's that feel of sort of like coming and going and sort of yeah. never been and and I think it's it's so this I guess there's something a bit quite exciting about that sometimes as well you know yeah. um the, the feel of passing through and stuff yeah and also like as someone who travels by train a hell of a lot it's so nice to go into they're just instantly pubs like that like the York Tap at York and the Jasper's Ale so it's just it's just so much more homely than another pumpkin cafe do you know what I mean or uh, the, the generic branded thing with the overpriced sandwiches to just go into somewhere that just feels like someone's made an effort rather than just fill the space yeah and obviously Sheffield and and Huddersfield are the others that have got worthy inclusions there and I think that and actually there was recently another one opened up on Lancaster Station, which has actually been run by uh, a local brewery there as well. Um, and 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 that is, is is everything and more. You know, it's mm. it's you've travelled all this way, you step off the train, you've back to experience within mere metres of sort of like disembarking some local ale. Uh, and uh, and and I just think that's that's a, that's a great thing because because for me, really, I guess the other 
characteristic and the big one is is having that identity and actually you know just to touch on the other thing that the book is all about is identity and locality and, and being being meaningful inclusions you know why 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 is that place uh, like that in Doncaster when that place is like that in Plymouth and, and there's, yeah. there's, there's this to taste here um, if you're going to sort of go to the bother of travelling uh, across a country every other week let's let's you know find out what what makes that inclusion set apart from from, from the last one and yeah. uh, and that's what I'm talking about when you, when it's sort of like using these things to enhance the day well that's it because you know I mean you're like me and I, and I well you probably more much more of a foodie than me but you, if you go, you say you go on holiday and you go to, I don't know, wherever you go in Europe, I'm using Europe because there's such a variety of places, but you will want to try the local foods, the local sort of specialities, the local beer or local wine, depending on where you are. There's such a breadth in the UK that why not do that here as well? You know, you know it's like if you go to go to, Go to my game. Obviously, sometimes there'll be times when you go to an away game where you, you can only, because of the logistics and stuff, you can only get something to eat or drink in the ground. And leaving that aside, why go to a place somewhere different, away from where you usually are, and just have a generic burger or generic pie? Because it's if you do that, it's like going abroad and like you're that person who's pointing to egg and chips on a menu. <laughs> and, uh, exactly. Watching, I mean, and, and and that point is especially true now. Because that this book's been released on the back of an explosion of of sort of like locally produced mm. stuff, a, a explosion of craft, uh, craft brewers, explosion of distillers, an explosion of people who are once again interested in local food, uh, and without which the book wouldn't have been possible. You know, yeah. uh, so 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 it's a celebration of, of of that really, and just being able to go to to a place and, and be able to try that. And this isn't you know. Like I say, this is this is with the football fan in mind. This isn't like saying go to this two-star Michelin restaurant and sit down because you might be able to get some locally sort of like wood pigeon <laughs> on toast. You know, it's actually go to Hull and 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 have a whole patty with 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 American chip sauce. You know, like it's that's that sort of thing. Yeah, it's like you know pie and mash in southeast London and and that kind of thing, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, like you said, if you if you've done it like these are the best restaurants in this town, then it's completely inaccessible to. Yeah. The kind of day you're having as a football fan. Yeah, um, and, and and actually I think I think that the point, the big point is that you can you can get those regional uh, variances without without having to go anywhere near them. And actually yeah. they're often better for it. Often the regional variations will be born out of working class trades and and, and sort of like a need to to do something with what you can get your hands on, you know. Yeah. Uh, in that in that particular particular um, area, so th- one of the best ones to try is obviously is the rag pudding up in in Oldham. You know, it spills out over a plate full of chips or a or a polystyrene tray full of chips, and and it. But that was just because the sewer pastry was the thing that they they had to keep it sort of like contained so that they could cook it, and that's it. And that's yeah. a working class thing, you know, and that's why it's really good for traveling football fans because it's it, you know it certainly fill you up for a few hours. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's it's hearty, hearty food. For... Absolutely. So the catalyst for this book, I was kind of there for, wasn't I? I'm not, I'm not trying to take credit here, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not. But we went to South End away opening game of the season a couple of years back, and we were. It was one of the first times we travelled to a game together like, on purpose, I think, wasn't it? 
I think we Could bumped be. into each other on the way to games in Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went, we got the train out of London to, and instead of going into South End, I suggested, like, let's stop off at Leon C because just the pubs are a bit nicer. That was the prompt. There was nothing about food, but from there, the, the food became a thing, didn't it? Well, I, I think you probably knew that I was onto something when you looked across the table and I had a plate full of sort of like mussels and clams and oysters and, and I've got a pint of local beer and the smile on my face, the grin must be sort of like disappearing off the edges of my head. And, and you just think, yeah, that is it. And, 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 so, and so actually, I think I penned something for the fanzine uh, shortly after that and then got to thinking after sort of like, putting a bit more consideration to into other away games that, that well this is something you know and the remarkable thing barring one or two clubs is that you can find that in every place that you will visit like not mentioning any names um, it, um yeah rhymes with west west bromwich balbian I, I wouldn't say anything more but barring those clubs you will be able to find something in every place that you go to and actually it's the ones where you don't expect to find anything that are the best ones i had a great trip up to fleetwood and found found out about the sort of like the local beers there the hake the once thriving fishing industry uh, and sort of like what, what's happened to it now and had just the best day out there and mm-hmm. and and you could say that for so many other locations um, and, and it's just by having that little bit of foresight to sort of like plan ahead. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you managed to have a, a great time at Fleetwood speaks volumes about what it what it can do. It was- yeah, I can actually picture your face the moment you saw that seafood store behind us when we sat outside the pub and going, is that, can I just, can I just get it <laughs> yeah. And I can eat it now. Like, <laughs> could. Was it you or your brother who had oysters? Oh, mate, I, I think I had every... Uh, sea urchin buddy (laughs) (laughs) anything that they could dredge out of that that buddy Thames estuary bank I had it on my plate I mean if we'd have stayed there any longer I was expecting like an octopus to be to be sort of direction I was just going to say it was one of those days where it was you sort of had to remind yourself of the very reason you came in the first place (laughs) where it gets to half two you're like oh this is brilliant oh shit I forgot we came to watch football let's go (laughs) yeah so we still have the early season optimism then. So it was it. it well, that was the game you almost got accosted at, 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 on the way out. <laughs> dogs abuse leaving Southend that day. Not from like dogs or from like young people. There would be one Southend fan walked past us and went, "Watch out for this lot behind." And I'm like, "What's he talking about?" And then some sort of middle-aged woman just held on sorts of obscenities. Like, <laughs> it's horrible, wasn't you? <laughs> we weren't playing love. We were just, we're just like, oh. <laughs> We haven't fouled anyone off the ball. <laughs> yeah. Address your complaints to Mr. Jay Marquis. Yeah. Um, so back so your button. Let's let's think. Let's have a look at who Rovers have got coming up <coughs> this month away days. Let's see if we can give some suggestions to people of uh, of where to go. Well, Scunthorpe, uh, and and for anyone visiting Scunthorpe, which is obviously a local derby, I was at pains to sort of write anything uh, nice about them. But I think you probably might have one of the, the only um, exhibits of, of someone who's managed to uh, compare Scunthorpe with Amsterdam. <laughs> and I'll leave it there. A lot of bicycle theft. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to say that the number one place, certainly for, for a bit of, of each. So if you can get the train out there or if, you, if you're driving, you can park up early. Uh, there's a, there's a, a really good um, Eastern European restaurant called Clump, which is sort of, again, with the, with the uh, Netherlands parallels, it's, it's translator's wooden shoe. So there you go. But, but it's, it's, you can have a sort of like nice sort of like European beers. 
um, big servings of herring, smoked pig's ears, if that's what you want. Uh, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can get the lot, mate. But it's it feels like you, you sort of walk. It's it's very unassuming from the outside, and as soon yeah. as you walk in, you feel like you're you're in Europe oh, straight away. And so, so I, I, I think it's and it's definitely for one of one of those that's for the people in in the know. But the, oh, yeah, that, that's a great when place to be. When you say it looks very unassuming from the outside, do you mean the restaurant or Scunthorpe? Oh yeah, no, I mean yeah, <laughs> sort of like anything within a twenty mile radius of the uh, city centre. <laughs> can I ask you about how much more do you know than what you've written in your book? Because can I ask you on the section on Clum, you've said that you can enjoy a serving of mum zeppelins, which oh, what what feels are they? Feels like the sort of thing that might be offered in Amsterdam. On on really, what what are mum zeppelins? Oh, you've got me there. You know, you know, um, no, I don't know. <laughs> But it's all in the intrigue, isn't it? Every single dish in this book. And you've no, 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 I'd be huge if I had. Um, I'm already big enough. But but no, uh, it's it's you've got to leave a little bit in there, Glenn. Yeah, uh, you know, get get the punters over there. I've just got visions of like Rovers fans going into this restaurant and uh, sort of going, Oh yeah, I'll have uh, Mum Zeppelin's plays, then getting taken out of the back for shooting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all the trash. Are you speaking about my mother that <laughs> Would you try smoked pig's ears? I have. Oh, you have? Yeah. How in, are they? I've never had them. Somewhere in Europe at a Wales game, and I can't really? remember which country, Georgia. Um, and I did not care for them. <laughs> right. What are those um, What are those little... Point, none of our group cared for them either. They sat on the table for a long time. What are those um, uh, crisps that you can get, the uh, the bacon ones? Frazzles. Uh, like, yes, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Not like that, then? No, no, they're all. Um, it's it's the tech. I was a texture thing. It's like it's like a porch scratching, but with no crunch whatsoever. Oh, well, uh, it's, you've got to try everything once. Really rubbery. Oh yeah, and I, and I have no intention of trying that thing twice. I can say, but by all means, go and go and have some mum uh, zeppelins. It might be just how they're served in Georgia. To be fair, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I can tell you now. Food in Scunthorpe. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the food capital of a certain square mile of North Lincolnshire. I've heard. Uh, they're actually, in fairness, there is a very good uh, the San Pietro one is actually quite a, a good diet. Like that's in a windmill, which again, oh. you know, just to just to sort of bring back my references to to the Netherlands, that's that's that is actually a good one. But actually, we've got just a, a, one more. The, the um, it's another case, especially if it's a Saturday game yeah. of, of getting off the, the, the train one stop early and um and the, the one one before is althorpe and and you can get off there right on the canal uh, and there's a good boozer there and it that's actually quite close to the ground as well so that, that's a good tip yeah yeah always always good for a uh an, an early stop off the train and a, and a meander to a ground yeah 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 and it's and you sort of sat out, out, out by the river so it's actually quite picturesque yeah just just like amsterdam <laughs> Just like Amsterdam, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without the buildings, people, culture, or noted uh, right. But um, you do get plenty of cannabis. Oh, there you go then. Go on then, what else have we got in November? What else have we got coming up? Right, so I think the one after that, actually, because we've got two home games and then Bolton wanders away, yeah. 23rd of November. So... Yeah, actually, luckily enough, um, my brother used to live in in Bolton, and we went and visited him, visited him for a few games, 
And I think like so you've you've got one one really good place to eat, which is the which is the pasty shop, and that's that's a good grab and go place. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of it it looks old and it's and it's antiquated, and you've got sort of like you can have pasties and a pea soup. That's not actually a bad pairing, by the way. And uh, you know various pastry goods in an old sort of setting and i think you know there's this sort of usually a consensus that, that that's all good as far as yeah. sort of like a pre-match food goes um but but visit visit bolton for the pasties but stay for the beer uh because yeah. there are very good uh places to drink and usually a little bit further out of the center but close to the ground again so you sort of the first time i went to see um my brother we sort of uh, you, you can sort of almost sort of get bust out and start at the top of a hill and sort of roll down to the ground from yeah. there uh which always sort of works but the, you get you get to visit this sort of um uh, the ale house which is which is home to Banktop brewery does the fantastic uh, uh beer that is uh flat cap bitter and it's actually quite quite modern but but sort of like it's got the odds and ends bits in in there as well to give it real character so really, really good one. And, and then you've got sort of like a, few, a couple of others that you can sort of bump into on the way down. So that would be that would be my recommendation. But um, really good beer, Rambo, and actually quite a few good beers. That's one of the reasons why this is such a good a, a good thing to have this book. I'm not just saying that because you're there. And uh, I, I don't get any commission. I just want to point that out to people. <laughs> but Bolton particularly, because it's a new ground out of town. It's not even Bolton, is it? It's uh, Horwich. Yeah, exactly. If you're otherwise, if without this and without a lot of people will go to Bolton away and think, oh, it's just a, another, and I'd be one of them. As distinctive as the ground is, it's just another out of town ground in a retail park. And you're going to have like, I don't know what's near it, but it's going to be what, like a drive through Costa and a Frankie and Benny's. Or, that's exactly what's there. Is it? <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> or you can get off from Bolton, make your own way, take advantage of the local produce and local places, like I say. Or, Go really upmarket, and the one I'm really interested in, Bolton, is in Kono, which is the um, uh, African food store in Bolton Market, named after a former Cameroon, Cameroonian goalkeeper. Yeah, I, I knew I knew you'd be interested in that one. Not only is it a Cameroonian uh, goalkeeper, but he allegedly uh, inspired a. Uh, a, a long Gian, Gianluca Via, a, a Buffon, sorry, uh, to switch positions from from he was actually starting out in midfield, uh, and 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 so impressed was he by uh, Ancona that he, he he actually switched into into being a goalkeeper. I think he became not not a bad not a bad goalkeeper at that. I can't remember. I think he's had a few caps for Italy. Yeah, the odd cap for yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, if you were ever, if you ever want to pay tribute to the man himself, then you, you need to head down to uh, to Bolton Market where you can get some just brilliant African food, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it's well worth a visit. Good African street food is is so good and so filling as well. Exactly, another staple you want for uh, for a football football feed. Burton is in November, isn't it? I haven't made that up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, so the quip is that that I'm sort of, uh, you know, I've spent all this time telling people not to drink Carlin and drink the local stuff. But if you went to Burton, then you'd get away with drinking Carlin because that's exactly where it's brewed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you fancy a, a pint of Carlin, it's as good as it gets in Burton. I'll leave that up to you to sort of like judge how good that is. It's right the source of the River Carling, isn't it, in Burton? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so, so Burton's got this incredible brewing history, like Tadcaster. It's, it's a brewing capsule for, for, for a good reason. And the first thing that people will assume, uh, which is right, is, is, is it needs a good natural water supply. That's absolutely right. But, but it's also uh, one that's got sort of a, a high presence of sulfate ions uh, and, and, and also sort of like uh, dissolved gypsum within the well waters. It sort of gives this sort of like you will smell it when you're there like an earthy achy smell uh that, that, that sort of it's actually known in the areas and, and this isn't this is this is exactly how it's meant to be but it's known in the areas burton snatch so so it's this it's effectively this the uh just it's a distinct flavor that's become renowned in brewing and actually it, it's uh much sought after in, in brewing circles but burton's like very unique in, in sort of having this natural produce uh, it's, it's almost as if it was built for beer yeah. uh, and uh and, and so obviously now it's home to many many Beers that you will find on most pub taps uh, across the country, but but also it, it's probably lesser known. It's it's just outside there is Branston, which is yeah, Branston awesome. Pickle as well. Yeah. I didn't know that at all. I had no yeah. idea that. I don't know why I had no idea that Branston was a place. Yeah, it never occurred to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very small place. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so you so in Branston you, you've you've effectively got you'd have to go there to, to, to go there but if you're driving down and you fancy a breakfast which is why I put the the, the pickle pot in there that stop off there and you you can say that you've, you've had Branston pickle in Branston which, which is cool and then in Burton there's, there's the, the one place you need to drink there's the, the National Brewing Centre is there and it's got a great setup and uh, you can uh, discover all about beer you can discover all about bass which is sort of like the, the original used to be one of the biggest but but also it's got steam locomotives it's got sort of uh, you know vintage vehicles it's got shire horses um and and it's just a, a, a rather nice place to drink before a game um, steam locomotives and beer i am in any of that yeah <laughs> what a combination. either but if i can have two in the same place <laughs> i am sold on the next page to Burton in your book is Cambridge, which is quite good because Cambridge is another Rovers away game that's uh, on the horizon, isn't it? That's December time. I, I love this chapter, by the way. It's, it's sort of one of my favourites because Cambridge is, is, is legitimately probably one of the best places to eat. It's just flocked full of independent sort of like places to, to, to both eat and drink and independent places that have sort of like brought with them very unique ways of doing it, very unique setup very unique sort of things on the menu things are interchangeable but but what's fascinating about cambridge so you sort of like you know usually my first part of call with any of these things is is going through encyclopedias of food encyclopedias drink encyclopedias tracing through the local history to see if i can find a connection to food and in cambridge there there pretty much is is none um and uh yeah so i actually had to go and buy the the cambridge cookbook to find out uh, uh, this and, and lisa pullen who's the author of that book says neither the city nor its storage university let alone the country writ large appears to have contributed much of significance to britain's foodways to which i would say it's probably the best place to go and eat in the country that has never contributed anything back yeah, I mean, on Cambridge in like that variety. So it kind of almost against the ethos of this book in a way. I turned up to a for an evening game there the other year. And I thought, I'm dying to feel, I'm just trying to chip it. There's bound to be one between here and whatever I'd said I was going to meet you. And the only thing I could find that did food was a place doing um, dim sum and green tea. <laughs> it felt like the most Cambridge thing. <laughs> but mate, the pub that we ended up in. much dim sum? I don't know if I do. The pub that the pub that we we ended up in after is is in this book, 
Was it the Cambridge Blue? Is that where we went? Exactly. So, so um, it was a very good pub. I just forgot the name. I don't, I don't yeah, well, I, I, I remember, remember I remember sort of stood there. You sort of one of these ones where you, you sort of like you come in to sort of strangers, there's a log fire on, everyone's there, everyone turns and looks at you, turns back to the pint, nice and you sort of sit nice down one. and you go, Once once you've had one and they know they're staying for two, you sort of a little bit come sort of like part of it and accepted. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's another one where it was pissing freezing outside yeah. and and you had to drag me out to go watch the football <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did get quite comfy at that bar yeah I remember the, the bloke stopped playing the piano the card game stopped everything <laughs> yeah. I mean they, they can regularly have in excess of 10 beers on, uh, on on the pumps at any one time so so yeah you, you know especially in the winter it's lovely warm cosy with this huge selection of beer and and you know there's worse yeah. places to find yourself yeah, December away game. It's got every hallmark of. Do we need to go to the ground? <laughs> no. Oh, it's on the evening as well. Is it? Yeah, 29th. Well, what are you doing on the 29th? I'm going to be sat in the Cambridge Blue, refusing to leave. But... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lincoln. We will do Lincoln as well, shall we? Because that's in um, in December as well. And that's there's a place mark. I lived in Lincoln for for eight years, but it has changed dramatically in like the, the probably the 11 or 12 years I since I left in terms of breweries and beer places and things like that to drink in Lincoln because it was it's sort of gone from quite a quiet city to a university city so it suddenly had all these like you know university themed bars like the, the you know the chains like Scream and and, and things like that that dot, that dot the country in those cities and they never quite felt right in Lincoln and then it went through a spell where they all disappeared and those things like harvesters in their place and it feels like now it's getting a bit of identity again. I think absolutely it is, yeah. I th- so of the, of the pub choices you've effectively got, like one which is is a lot about the history of, of Lincoln, um, probably worth visiting f- for that fact. You've got one that is a is is a, is probably the most beery place, and you've got one that's sort of the coziest place, I would say. So so the Treaty of Commerce is is the one that you'll get almost as you come out of the station, and it, and it's of interest really because it's 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 named after the Anglo-French trade agreement that ended uh, items on uh, sorry ended tariffs on items such as like you know wine and, and brandy and booze effectively, and uh, they, they supplied beer from um, for Bettman's Brew in Skegness, which is uh, in the in the book actually in, in other places as well. But but that that's a really good one to sort of like go and look for. Yeah, the treaty I used to drink in because I used to live down the bottom of the high street near Central Bank actually, and obviously most students lived at the at the, at the top end, the university top end. So we used to go in on a student night. We'd make our way in from sort of down Central Bank. Me and the other people who lived down that way from our football team, and we'd sort of meet on the corner of a few streets, and we'd have one in a terrible pub there that's not even worth sharing. But <laughs> if we if we drank the first one quick enough, we'd always try and make sure we had time for one in the treaty of commerce before, before going on to meet the others. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a strange, it's quite a hard pub to, to find, even though it's on the high street, because it's it's a very thin, narrow building, and it, it, it looks quite remarkable from the outside. It goes back a long Yeah, long. it's a TARDIS. Yeah, yeah, completely. It's, it's a, it's, it is a long... That's a... In the early days of the university when I was there, that was a, everyone looking around to check who you are as you walked in. And sort of, thankfully, we were ale drinkers. Yeah. Many people weren't. So we were, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. We were going there ordering three VKs. So we, <laughs> we, were, we were allowed to live. 
Well, as, as far as the ale drinking in Lincoln goes, the, the Jolly Brewers, the, the one that you need to you need to tap up. That's got a load of good beers, especially for parts of Yorkshire, Lincolnshire, Midlands. But 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 the ones that are notable are sort of like your Welby Cabby beers, your Horncastle. There's there's a small one called Pheasantry Brewers Brewery. They they're all found in there, um, and 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 you've got the Dog and Bone, <clears throat> which is also sort of like an old timber beam sort of bar. And, and and that's that that's a that's a lovely one. But 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 there's also great places to eat in Lincolnshire and and in Lincoln itself. And and it's it's just I think you're right. Like it's it's sort of it's gone from sort of like being 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 sort of invaded by by the change to actually sort of like taking a bit of that back. And yeah. you've got people sort of coming up with like really interesting ways of doing things. Uh, especially Brown's Pie Shop, which is sort of like um, I don't know if you ever happened to go in there back in the day, but that's definitely one. It's, it's, it's sort of like like it's like a cellar restaurant. So you sort of creep your way down. Uh, and obviously you're getting sort of like locally caught game. Uh, you're getting some some great pies in there, pickles made in house. Uh, and uh, I think, I mean, that's where you want to end up really. You know, you've had you've had a a, a day out of the game, you've, you've probably drunk a bit and that's, that's the sort of place you go to sort of like suck it all up. It, the Browns Pie Shop was where the, uh, the the better off students took their parents when they visited. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Although not in your book, there are some great craft beers places on the on the steep hill and um, the straight. I think it's called at the bottom of the hill as you go up towards Browns Pie Shop as well. There's some some great options there in Lincoln that were never there when when I lived. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, that speaks to sort of what I was saying earlier, where there's this sort of, there is an absolute explosion of these of these places where you can go and find, most of the places that I recommend will be, will be local breweries, bottle shops that serve local beers, small places, sort of like cosy stuff that's just, as long as the feature is locality, then then, then that sort of wins in there. But also, I, I'd, lo- I'd love it to be a starting point. Yeah. Uh, and I'd love, and, and what I really want is for this sort of like food and drink and football to be, part of the conversation and for people to sort of like think about it and if anyone comes up and says you know you didn't include this or you, you should have said that and actually that's not as good as that great that's what it's all about you know now you've put this out there as a collection <laughs> it sounds really sounds wrong as a way to sell it but people will people who know those towns or are from those towns will inevitably find fault with what you've suggested <laughs> and that will open up discussions of of other places and, and and different places and other things that that fulfil that same criteria, yeah. Doing you know celebrating local food, local traditions, local aspects, um, and and being an option for people to to experience a town beyond you know the turn beyond the the the, the football stand. You know, there's, there's more to a town in this country than where the bus parks, where you go into the ground and where you leave. And it's it's a shame that. A lot of, I mean, it's, it can be difficult, but it's a shame a lot of us don't make more of an effort to see more of the of this, you know, of the UK when we visit football, rather than just pile straight into the ground. Well, I think I think that we're in a unique position as football fans, as travel football fans, as people who, who, who sort of follow the clubs. Like, like this, I think that we forget how you know very few people get to go and see a different part of the country every other week, or, or like most of these, the, the, most of the places in there, it's, 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 it, there's, a, there's six options in every chapter. You'll find one within walking distance. You'll find one that's right up your street, uh, and it's it's that like I say, let it be a starting point if nothing else. Yeah, definitely. So it's a good point that, you know, like if you're not a football fan, why and you didn't know someone in these towns, why a lot of these places, why would you ever go and visit them? And it yeah. you, you wouldn't, would you? Like you wouldn't. No, no. 
you might go you go to like the picturesque places around the UK, you might go to the coast, but you're not going to, Doncaster's not a holiday destination, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. No, try, try and do it, try and sell a city break to the missus in Puddy Oldham. You know? <laughs> it's not, it's not easy. <laughs> I've got a lovely place in the foothills. The foothills of where? Well, don't worry. About <laughs> no, 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 don't need to worry about that. It's, it's got a unique climate all to its own. To <laughs> me, that's not necessarily good. <laughs> um, don't think of that, do you? But it is, it is true. Um, last one I want to throw at you then. So, do you have a favourite away day out of out of all these? Is it, or is it sort of open your eyes up to others, or do you still have a, a favourite that you really look forward to or want to be able to do? Well. I- Honestly, it is massively, massively opened up my eyes to, to, to other places. Like that, that is without a doubt. And it's opened up my eyes to the possibility that there will be something good everywhere you go. And I mean that. that like there's not there's not a single place you, you can go in there where you won't find something. And I think that's really special. And that's quite a unique trait tra- tra- of Britain and how we do things here. It's, and it's something to be celebrated. Um, you know, I, I've, I've always been a big fan of the old classics. I, I, I love Craven Cottage, but I particularly love some of the, the sort of tucked away pubs around Putney Bridge and sort yeah. of like um, on the banks of the Thames. And there's great pie shops there. That That's great. But, you know, I loved discovering uh, Southend with you. I loved discovering Fleetwood. And um, and and I think that the big takeaway is that I don't, there's one place that you can, you can go and, and not find something. And, um, and and it makes you sort of, should make you feel very excited about sort of like being a travelling supporter again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good a really good point. You know, especially as we're we're all starting to travel again more after after you know not being able to travel for, for exactly a year. yeah. It's it's a great way to just just savor it more and and get a bit more more from it and more out of it, which I think is um, is really good. Yeah, so that's that's the the great Priory Vault then by by Mr. Jack P. Where can where's the best place for people to get it, Jack? That gives you the most money. I think it's, it's it's in most stores. Uh, you can get it on Amazon if you if you want to do it quickly. It's, it's in Waterstones, and I've actually forgot the name, but it is in a few independent shops as well. Or you know, if they if people don't want to buy it, they can just text you and ask you where, where they should go. Like I did at Wigan the other week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the cheaper way of doing it, anyway. <laughs> I told you, mate. Look, I I just when I've got an issue, I just go straight to the source. But yeah, no, you you should definitely buy it. It's 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 a great it's a great book to have as a. Because you'll go through it, and then you'll, whenever you come around to go to a game again, or or you've got an away game in mind, it's great to just flick in, check over that chapter, and and remind yourself of your options, of what you can go and what you can see wherever you go away. I think it's it's really neatly laid out like that. I, I was really impressed when I when I go to the day, mate. I'm not just saying that because you're you're on here. I, you know, I tell you if I thought it was shit. Yeah, no, without a doubt. <laughs> Surprisingly good. <laughs> that's the best that's the best write-up of us so far mate <laughs> after all the editing I have to do to you no I don't at all <laughs> your fanzine articles are always very very light on edit cool right Jack it's really good to talk to you again man um, yeah oh mate thanks for, thanks so much for having me on and uh, and, and talk about the book and I hope it comes on use in use to people it's uh, it's it's like I say it's a, it's a topping point and uh, and, and and do get in touch and stuff like that. You know, anyone who's been anywhere and, and, and recommendations, stuff like that. Uh, I love to talk about it. So yeah. Yeah, he, he really loves this. This I... is down from five hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just did every one. I'm just going to edit in it for each month, depending on who wrote as a player. Then I've got cup runs mapped out everything. That's <laughs> no, been good, Jack. Thanks very much. No, thanks for having me on, mate. 
Now, that's almost it for this month. Just one last thing for me to mention, and that's the fanzine's recent shortlisting for the Football Supporters Association's Fanzine of the Year Award. Uh, you might have seen this in, in the week already, but this is the fifth time we've been shortlisted. And, and as with the, the previous four occasions, you know, it's, it's a genuine honour. It's, it's really nice to see our efforts recognised and, and championed against our sort of fanzine compatriots. And, and this shortlisting, it really is testament to, to the quality of our, of our regular fanzine writers. So I just really want to acknowledge that and also acknowledge you as, um, as readers of the fanzine as well, because, you know, if we don't have any readers, we'd be no point doing a fanzine. Um, so the awards ceremony for that is, is at the end of this month. So with a bit of luck, I'll be, I'll be bringing you news of, uh, well, maybe some silverware come our, come our next episode. You know, and if we don't win, well, we'll make absolutely no, uh, further reference to whatsoever, especially if the square ball wins. Um, that is it for this episode. As ever, let us know what you thought of it, what you liked, what you didn't via Twitter at Viva Rovers or via email. Uh, popular stand at outlook.com and, and also don't forget to subscribe via your preferred podcast provider so you get popular stand straight to your device then without well without us pestering you to listen um, so there you go until next month I'll see you